Thrive Global is helping the world's leading enterprises and their people build healthy habits through actionable micro steps to help navigate the challenging time with less stress and greater resilience. Started by Ariana Huffington, Thrive Global helps companies such as Walmart, Microsoft, SAP, and Bank of America, and many, many other firms. Find out more at thriveglobal.com. You're listening to Planet Purpose from Inc. Magazine. Today's episode, we're going to talk about a revolution that's going on in entrepreneurship and how people are asserting their inner confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Planet Purpose. I'm Scott Goodson. And I'm Chip Walker. Before we get going, I want to give all our listeners a big shout out. The response to our new podcast has been incredible, especially now in the fall. Thank you, everyone in our audience who've been providing such amazing feedback and suggestions. If you like the show and you really want to help us, please rate this show on whatever platform you're listening on. It really makes a difference. Thank you so much. So uh, today, Yolanda is off. So we're going to have to be at our best behavior, Chip. Uh, if you're listening, Yolanda, we miss you and uh, are uh, anxiously awaiting your return. Actually, I'm really happy that Yolanda is off. You know, there's something really important to underline here for our listeners, and that is during this challenging time, we all need time off. Business leaders need to think humanely. It's also in their self-interest to give their employees and themselves time off and to take it. In fact, Chip, you know, we had a frank conversation with our teams at Strawberry Frog about the need to go outside, yeah. walk in nature, take time to be with your loved ones, because you just can't be productive if you're exhausted. Yeah, I completely agree, Scott. Uh, this is something the Nordics have, have taught us, a good lesson. When you think about the Swedes, Norwegians, Danes, the Finns, uh, they take a lot of vacation time, uh, and they're still super, super productive. Same thing for, for Germany, too. You know, it just reminds me, there was a, a CEO of Scandinavian Airlines who wrote a book a few years ago uh, about what it means to be a great leader. And he said, was the ability to take four weeks vacation during the summer when the management team could run the company effectively without you having to be there. And anyway, I digress. I just think that's a great example of, <laughs> you know, people taking time off because people don't do it. And you don't live to work, right? You work to live and, and live in a more humane way. No, completely agree. And the weird thing to me, though, Scott, is that you would think during the pandemic, while we're all working at home, that you wouldn't feel like you needed a vacation. But I feel like you need it more than ever now. No, it's e true. Even though there's less going on, you know. Absolutely. And if we look at the numbers, we're seeing an undeniable surge in entrepreneurs here in the United States and Canada and other countries. Startups were way down over the last decade leading up to COVID, but something has snapped and now corporate jobs are out and startups are in. Not just tech startups, but brick and mortar ones too. Yeah, yeah. And, and really, we, we shouldn't underestimate the potential that these new kind of brands and businesses have, because a lot of them are created by this sort of new C-suite of, as you said, Black and Latinx um, female entrepreneurs who are really helping drive the next economic recovery. The pandemic has created what um, people were calling this she-session. I don't know if you heard, heard about that term, but it refers to sort of this economic and career uh, fallout that's disproportionately impacted women, especially in the United States. Last year, millions and millions of women left the workforce in the U.S., and almost half of them were Black and uh, Latinx. 
as both you know employees and business entrepreneurs, startup leaders, these women are overrepresented, Black and Latinx women are overrepresented in industries hardest hit by COVID-19, including hospitality, leisure, healthcare. Pandemic continues to amplify existing inequalities and derail decades of progress for women in the workplace. There are, however, some incredible leaders out there who are really making a difference. Phoebe Robinson is one of the hottest rising comedians in the United States. She's everywhere I turn. She's hosting Jimmy Kimmel. She's writing books. She's doing stand-up, performing across the country. She's written best-selling books. Uh, And her third essay book, Please Don't Sit in My Bed in Your Outside Clothes, will be released in September, in the end of September, and acts as the launch of an imprint, Tiny Reparations Books. What a name. We'll talk about that in a bit. She has gazillions of followers on social media, but more, she's a purpose-driven leader, which makes her even more exceptional. Yeah, uh, funny is great. Uh, we need it. But, uh, you know, our world is a huge mess. Uh, and if this new generation of leaders that we've been talking about, Scott, if they can drive positive change and make us laugh, uh, then I think that's something that we can really uh, celebrate. You know what I mean? Totally. I got to have a little humor and you got to actually have a meaningful role in, the, in this world right now. And Phoebe's doing that. She's upending centuries of the status quo, which we love. And nearly every aspect of publishing and media is where she's focused. Myself included, need to see opportunities to bring many BIPOC folks together and give them opportunities to thrive. This is what Phoebe is doing with Tiny Reparation Books. Most of the titles she's publishing are first-time BIPOC authors, which is awesome, that normally do not get published. Her hope is to tell stories that are often overlooked and to shine a light on stories that are universal and inclusive. Yeah, you know, by creating space for BIPOC folks, uh, it it empowers and lifts up a lot of these communities. Uh, Not only does it make for better stories when more people see their world reflected, but it also makes these communities stronger and grow. So everyone, please welcome Phoebe to our show. Woo-hoo! Welcome! Hi! Woo! Great to have you, Phoebe. Thanks for having me on. You're classing up the joint. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm the only I'm the only lady here. So Yolanda, you've been replaced. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately she's out today. But uh, yeah, as I said, it's we. She needs a break. She needs a break. Yes. Okay. Okay. Phoebe, hopefully you're not going to post a picture of me when I was 25 and now I'm 39 to compare collagen like you did with Paul Rudd. Are you? Are you 39? Let's let's get real. How old are you? <laughs> he hasn't been 39 in a few years. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it feels the same second time around. That's all I can yeah. say. So, um, but uh, anyway, with that in mind, I have a question for you, Phoebe. Uh, can you talk about some of the challenges you faced breaking into the worlds of publishing, comedy, and entertainment, and how that shaped your purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I'll start with publishing since, you know, I got this book coming out. And when my literary agent, Robert, and I were shopping around my first book in 2015 called You Can't Touch My Hair, is another essay collection, we got so much pushback. People were just like, this book won't sell. It's not relatable. Nobody wants to read a book written by a funny Black woman. That's like not in. I'm just going, that's five years ago. And that's, everyone was, not that people were just thinking this, they were just boldly saying this to us. Like, that's just like, the sky's blue. And it's just like, black women don't sell books. And, you know, that's crazy. That's so crazy. 
Yeah, insane. It's so crazy, yeah. especially when you look at the numbers and you see that college-educated Black women are the biggest readers in America. It just, to be dismissed like that, like I don't, like my work isn't worthy of being sold, I always kind of felt a little bit like, this is strange. And so I love publishing. I think it's definitely made some strides since then. But I think just sort of that being written off just based on your identity and the way you look is true in publishing, is true in stand-up, is true in Hollywood. And, you know, I want to do things that, of course, would get me a bigger platform, but I also wanted to create a space where other people wouldn't get rejected based on the way they look or their sexual orientation. I've done that with Two Dope Queens, with Jessica Williams, Mm. and with The Imprint, and with my production company. So I always have that at the forefront of my mind is to make this be an open space for anybody who wants to come play. So Phoebe, you've really become just a breakout success in in recent months and the last couple of three years. How did you go about making that happen? Oh, well, it's been a long time coming. It's, you know, I think anyone who does stand up and you start out, you know, I used to do shows for free. I ran a show at an Irish pub in Manhattan and we got paid in beer and chicken wings. I, you know, I've done stand up at biker bars on Staten Island. Like it's really not glamorous, but I think what really helped me is, you know, there are like the Jessica Williams or like my good friend, Jamie Lee, who's now a writer producer on Ted Lasso. And she just won an Emmy last night. Just like, we just, really we're smart about building a network of we're not going to be looking up. We're going to be looking across to see who's with us and we're going to all rise together. But there's a lot of trial and error. You know, I was doing stand-up for six and a half years before Jessica and I met. And, you know, and then Two Dope Queens changed everything. But I think when I had all that rejection, all those, you know, I was going on auditions and not booking them and like in debt and worried about paying rent. I think it made my work ethic be bulletproof in a way so that now that I have all this stuff going on with this book and the imprint and I have my stand-up special coming out in October, it feels like everything's happening now, but I feel like it's stuff that I've been building towards for years and years and years. Yeah, so it's it's, uh, no such thing as an overnight success, right? It takes a long time. Yeah, I would say like at least 10 years, you know? I mean, there are those people who really can break out quite quickly. But I think all those years we're sort of toiling away and people aren't paying attention to you that when they start to pay attention to you, you're able to rise to the occasion, you know? I think it's like, what was that book with Malcolm Gladwell? You know, you got to put 10,000 hours in mm-hmm. and you become really good. I'm, I think I'm about 9,000 chip in what I do. I don't know. What, you're about, <laughs> you're nine, about 9,900, but uh, <laughs> something like that. Phoebe's a little more uh, done, I think, better. No, yeah. no, no. You've been outspoken about the fact that the publishing world is not very representative. You just talked about that. Mm-hmm. What do you think can be done about that? I mean, not just what you're doing, but what do you think everyone can do? What can readers, people who love to read, uh, business leaders, all sorts of people, what can be done? I mean, there's so many things that can be improved. I think one thing that is top of mind for me is for author advances. Like, I wish there was just more transparency about that. For my first book, I got 50,000 um, over, that was spread out over, what, 18 months, right? Um, and so with that, it's like you paying taxes, 
was paying my manager and my lit agent. So from that, I may maybe got half of that, maybe. Um, and so the fact that like I can't live off of that. So right. I'm having to work like all these freelance gigs and all, hmm. you know, go on the road and tour to like try to cobble together like a living. And I think when authors aren't paid enough of an advance to sort of like help them write the book, it's that much more difficult. You know, not everyone is going to have reached the success of a Stephen King where it can be like, give me this advance. I can go like disappear for, you know, six, nine months and write my book in peace and not be bothered. Like, I think another thing that needs to be changed is that break it into publishing as an editorial assistant. Again, it's another job role that doesn't necessarily pay a lot. So unless you come from, you know, money or your parents can help you out financially, it really becomes a class issue of like who can afford to start in publishing. Totally, totally. Yeah. And the third way I think things could change would be in the marketing publicity department across the board. Hmm. It's usually just white people. And so if you have, and usually like straight and white people. So if it's like, if you have like these queer authors who are like, well, I want to get my work out there, but what what gay outlets, what contacts do you have there? Like, how are you going to be promoting my book? If authors aren't feeling like their book is going to be best represented and going to reach all the different kind of outlets it needs to reach in order to become a success, then that becomes a problem too. A lot of people just don't have the, I mean, there's just so many tiny nudges that propel people to success. Are you advocating for sort of a shift in, or are you just calling it that because you want to make your your difference. Yeah, I want to make my difference and I want to find my way to give back. And, you know, Jessica and I we used to always joke when we were doing Two Dope Queens, we're like, oh, we're too, we're too ignorant and to get like the reparations that <laughs> are owed. But we can get like tiny little ones that make our lives better. And I thought that with this imprint, I was like, you know, like I'm so obsessed with books. And I was like, I just always thought about like how hard it was for me to sell my first book and I was just sort of like well can this imprint be a way that like will make things easier for the authors on the roster and so I feel like with each of these books we have a book by Tourmaline who is this incredible artist and she's doing a biography on Marsha P. Johnson like I just wanted this imprint yes we want to represent people but we also want to tell amazing stories are awesome and impactful and interesting like everyone else. And so this is sort of my way of giving back. At least I, that's how I hope people take it. No, I think it's brilliant. I mean, you mentioned so Scott, that. if I'm not mistaken, I think we might have a uh, drop-in visitor. Hi, you guys. Hey, Yolanda. What? Hi. What? Is that Yolanda? What are you doing here? <laughs> it is. This conversation is so dope. It's everything. I hate I'm missing it, Phoebe. So good to see you. So good to see you, too. But you're, look at you. You're on vacation. You're by nature. You yeah. need this. <laughs> you need trees. You don't need me. Come on. Yes, I do. Tiny reparations. <laughs> yes. I mean, honestly, like, I couldn't miss this moment. It was one of, it was a time that I couldn't join the call, but I just couldn't miss it all together. So, hey, Chip. Hey, Yolanda. Hey, Scott. Hey, Yolanda. Thank you very much for your birthday wishes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I suck. Yeah. Um, happy birthday. You missed it. Uh, Scott was talking about turning 39. <laughs> I know. I thought 29. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I just wanted to come on and say hello. It's so good to see you. I think um, you're raising a topic that really does 
began to highlight some of the difficulties that we face, you know, when we enter into different industries. And you're doing it in a way that makes it palatable for us to talk about it. And I just, I think that's a gift that you're giving, you know, humanity. So we can really like unpeel, like just peel the onion back and really get to the heart of how we can be better humans, how we can be more respectful of each other and just understand how to create better opportunities. So I think it's amazing. Oh, thank you. I agree 100%. I Chip said it before, and I I think it's so true that I don't think it's enough just to be a great artist. Yeah, I agree. You got to want to like give something back and, you know, like I hope that what I'm doing like helps like an author or someone else be like, oh, maybe I should have an imprint and really focus on this sort of thing. Like, I don't want it to just stop with me. You know, I feel very grateful for all that I've accomplished so far. And I don't know, I get inspired by so many people. So I hope I could be that for someone else to really pursue their passions and not not give up or fold. Phoebe, though, I'm really wanting to hear more about this new book that you have coming out. I speed read it over the weekend. And I think my favorite chapter is the title chapter, Please Don't Sit on My Bed With Your Outside Clothes On. Yes. Uh, you refer to this as a guiding principle that governs your life. And uh, <laughs> you want to talk about it? Why is that? Yeah, I mean, my parents are very, very clean people. They like to have a pristine house. And so that was the rule. It was like, you can't come home from school and sit on this couch or sit on your bed and the clothes you're wearing out in the streets. And so... I didn't really realize I took that to heart until, you know, I went to college and I have like my target bedding, like Room Essentials, shout out to Room Essentials. And, you know, I have like my little like $20 comforter that I was so proud of. And, you know, you live in a a tiny dorm, there's like nowhere to sit and people want to sit on the bed. And I'd be like, but you were just on the subway, you want to sit on my bed? So I'd be like, you can sit with like one ass cheek, like dangling (laughs) off. Like that was... (laughs) how I got through. But I really like that essay because, you know, it's really just sort of a love letter in a way to my parents and like just parents in general, like when they teach you certain lessons that you don't think are going to stick with you. And those are the ones that truly stick with you. Um, And so that is for me with them. So Chip and I come from the business world. We, you know, we work with these huge corporations and CEOs and, you know, for those people out there listening to us, what words of advice do you have? What should they th- what should they help you do in this world? Because we need allies. We need to be with people, not just yeah. fighting the storm on our own. I would say first step would be to sort of arm yourself with the basic information first, rather than going to someone else and asking them to educate you. So that would be the first thing. And the second thing is just sort of like, Be less concerned with getting it right. And I think it's hard to do that because I think we live in a culture where people want to attack anyone for being imperfect. And it's like, we're all imperfect. Yeah. But you have to make mistakes. And sometimes you're going to make mistakes with educated guesses or assumptions. But you have to, like, make those stumbles in order to get to the good stuff, in order to get to the things that are actually going to be useful or find a way that you could be beneficial for someone else. So don't be scared to make a mistake. Take ownership over the mistake and truly learn from it. Not like, oh, I'm so sorry, and then do it again. It's like, no, 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 no. Okay, you're telling me this is this is why X, Y, Z is wrong. Okay, I'm really going to, like, sit with that 
and think about how I can do better and not make that same mistake again. So I in in your book, you you say we don't need another white savior, and it refers to the Messiah complex. You know, some people, some white people exude intentional or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do do you see some companies or brands that have the same or leaders that have the same kind of complex out there? I think there's so, I mean, if you look at 2020, how everyone's like, I'm going to put up a black box. And you're like, it's like Four Seasons Hotel. Why are you putting up a, just give me the free Wi-Fi passcode. <laughs> That's what you could do for right. me, Four Seasons. But you would see all these, and I love the Four Seasons. I will happily stay there if anyone wants to pay for it. Take okay, note, but, <laughs> Four Seasons. I'm not spending my money on that. <laughs> <laughs> But just, I think the sort of like performative or sort of like surface level, if I put up this black box, then that shows I'm on the right side of history, so I'm a good person. And it's like, it's like it's so not about like how other people view you. It's more like this country and this world is in a state of emergency and we all, it's a hands on deck situation. So we all got to like figure out how we can genuinely help rather than how we can give the appearance of helping while staying in our comfort zone. And so for me, my thing is, is like the statements, okay, if you want to release a PR statement, fine. But the real truth of the matter is you have to audit your life. You have to audit your business. You have to go, why are there no people of color in C-suite positions? Why do I, are there no gay people that work in my company? Why is it that when I'm, I, the neighborhoods I choose to live in are the ones that end up gentrifying and pushing brown and black people out, lower income people out? Why is it like the restaurants that I eat at, all the chefs are men? You know what I mean? You have to really just look at your life and look at the choices that you're making. And it's a day-to-day thing. Like People have to really make a concerted effort to be like, I want to get a handle on my biases. And I don't think most people are there yet because it's too much work. But they could do it. We can mm, all do it. Absolutely. So everything that you said, you if you were looking at the camera, I'm like smiling and nodding because it really connects to living with purpose. And what you're challenging people to do is to live with purpose, to build a better place for us all. When you set out on your mission, was it really rooted in purpose? And what does purpose mean to you? And I would just love to hear you talk a little bit more about purpose and ensuring that it's embedded in what you do, but how it has inspired you in the work that you continue to do? That's a great question. Yeah, I do think that I I really have defined, as I keep getting further and further in my career, I have defined it with intention. And I try to move with a sense of purpose as opposed to like, I just want to be famous. And you're like, what? It's something that you cannot control that really does not have any sort of value. And it's just like this pursuit of like this thing that you think is gonna make your life better where it's like, you could not be famous and be super happy. I would just estimate that most people who are famous are unhappy because there's a lot of things that come along with being famous that no one can prepare you for. And I think that living with purpose and living with sort of doing something that is outside of yourself and not going to wholly just benefit you, I think it forces you to look at things differently because you're not looking at the eye. Like, what's going to make me feel good? What's going to give me the most amount of money? That's all short-term things. But if you're like, oh, I want to really 
with like these five authors over here and these five editors over here, I want to help change the landscape of publishing, then you're prepared to actually do the work. So if you're not serious about it, you're going to give up at the first sign of adversity, the first sign it doesn't go your way. I remember when defund the police was really like popping and this girl I know, she went on her IG live and she was like, can you believe the police has not been defunded yet? Hmm. And I was like, Bitch, it's been three weeks. You thought this was gonna you thought the entire police system was no. gonna be deconstructed yeah. in three weeks? Come on. Yeah. You know? I mean, I love it. I love that you talked about an intention. What's next for you? What's next for me? I want to rest. <laughs> I, I need to take a vacation with the BF and Writing more stand-up. I have my stand-up special coming out October 14th on HBO Max. So I want to write a new hour. And I really want to travel again. I really, I'm so scared to travel. So I'm really not going any, like I'll, like I went to Joshua Tree for a few weeks, but like I'm not traveling internationally. And I feel like me traveling internationally really helped me grow as a person. Also helps that my boyfriend's British. So like we have excuses to go places, but I really feel like I miss just, eating different kinds of food and being around different kinds of culture. And I, like, I love New York, but New York has its own way of doing things. And I really want to just be informed by other ways of doing stuff. So that's what's next for me. And then I want to just keep, you know, creating space for other people to just rock out and do what they do best. You would love Sweden. You should go to Sweden. I've never been. Okay, cool. I, uh, awesome. I grew up there and spent, you know, a lot of my formative years there. For years, we used to have all these... American comedians coming into Stockholm and they would always perform. Anyway, great place. You'd have a sauna. Have you ever had a sauna? No, I haven't. Gosh, Scott, you're going to a weird place. <laughs> hey, you guys, I'm jumping off. Phoebe, you're such a light. And I will talk to you guys later. Such a pleasure. Thanks, Yolanda. Thank you so much. Bye, you Bye. Guys. What a treat. She's so great. Yeah, she's awesome. Activate Brand Purpose is Amazon's top three hottest books this fall. Lead your company with purpose. The insights and lessons in the new book, Activate Brand Purpose, are supported by data from the first empirical study of purpose-driven brands. Activate Brand Purpose, kind of in, kind of cool, kind of now. Available on Audible. Now it's time for Jump Ball, our recommendations section where we give you ideas on new shows, books, or whatever we've come across the last little while to make your lives more fun. And today, why don't we kick this off with Chip? Chip, what do you have for us? Okay, this week, you know, normally I have some kind of nerdy book to recommend, some sort of nonfiction, boring, nerdy book. That, that That's my specialty, Phoebe. Uh, but this week is something different. So in the spirit of levity and uh, maybe some uh, kind of mindless entertainment, I'd like to recommend a TV show. Uh, it's on Hulu, and it's called uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, it's a comedy. It's shot in a documentary style, mm. uh, but it follows the sort of mundane daily lives of uh, four vampires who are roommates on, on Staten Island. Um, and it's a long story as to how they ended up on Staten Island. I, I think they came to conquer the new world, but they just got waylaid in Staten Island. Anyway, they're not actually the most adept or talented vampires, um, and they're always getting themselves into kind of embarrassing situations. Um, so, for example... 
Uh, you know, they like to turn into bats so that they can fly places, but they keep getting captured by Staten Island animal control. <laughs> <laughs> and their human their human familiar has to come and rescue them. Uh, they also accidentally kill a visiting vampire dignitary, uh, who, you know, who's visiting Staten Island for some reason, and uh, they end up in, in uh, big trouble with the sort of uh, vampire authorities, and and uh, all kinds of problems ensue. Uh, so anyway, if you just need an escape, this I think this really fits the bill. The performances are great. The the humor is very very droll, uh, and there's three seasons of it on uh, on Hulu. That was wow. brilliant, brilliant, very interesting. Phoebe, so glad you're here with us. What about you? Anything new catch your eye? Yes. Yeah, so I'm in, I'm like Chip. I want to sort of feel good and feel light and laugh. Um, and one of my favorite comedians of all time, uh, Roy Wood Jr., he's a correspondent on The Daily Show. He's getting ready to tape his next hour special, which is fantastic for Comedy Central. But his first one called Father Figure, it's on Comedy Central. It's probably on the app, or you could buy it in the iTunes store if you want. Um but it is probably one of the best hours that has come out in the past 10, 15 years. It's so funny. It's so smart. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, you know, he talks about growing up in the South and being a father and, you know, civil rights movies and like all these things. It's just so funny and smart. And he's a great comedian at like, giving you your medicine while, like, hiding it in candy or whatever, however you phrase it. But he's so, so funny. I I love him so much. Big fan of his. That's wonderful. That's a great one. So this week, I um, stumbled upon Ragnarok. Anyone hear about that? I've heard of it, yeah. No, no. This show is about a small paper mill town in northern Norway, and um, this single mom and her two kids show up and they're kind of goofy kids. And it turns out that one of the goofy kids, the older brother, is actually Thor. (laughs) And they've stumbled upon this small town in northern Norway and it's run by the giants who, of course, own the paper mill who are polluting not just the town, but literally the whole northern part of Norway, killing the fish and just doing what giants do, which is destroy the world, destroy the planet. And of course, because they control the economy, the all the jobs, all the, you know, they're the most famous family of the northern part of Norway. No one says anything. No one stands up to them. So they just destroy the environment. And it's kind of a weird show. It's a very dark comedy, but it's basically about these kids realizing that they're actually these Norse gods. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. That sounds yeah. awesome. Thank you for the recommend. Ah, of course. Really cool. Well, this has been a wonderful edition. Thank you so much, Phoebe, for being with us today. So I've learned so much. Can we buy the books now from Tiny Reparations? So the first book is mine that's coming out. And then the rest of the books start coming. There's five that come out in 2022. Uh-huh. And then I think six that come out in 2023. So, yeah, cool. we're really hitting the ground running next year. Can we find it on tinyreparations.com or where do we order it? If you go to my website, you can go to phoebirobison.com. Uh-huh. And if you click on books, then it'll take you to all the, the stuff that I have going on. Well, thanks for tuning in to Planet Purpose. And a very, very warm thank you to Phoebe Robinson for paddling around the pond with us on this sunny day. This was so fun. Thanks for having me on. And I'm, I'm going to try and fly out to the Baltic so I can check out this sauna life. Yeah. You'll love it. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Planet Purpose. I'm Scott Goodson. And I'm Chip Walker. Planet Purpose is brought to you by Inc. Magazine and Strawberry Frog. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. This show would not be possible without the extraordinary support and help of Avery Miles, producer, Brian Cornelius, video producer, Josh Christensen, senior podcast producer, Blake Odom, production assistant, Umama Mahood, marketing director, and Nicola Keneally, chief of staff. 